Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Say, folks, remember that swastika flag that was spotted near Parliament Hill on the first Saturday of the Freedom Convoy? Well, what exactly was the deal with that Nazi regalia being displayed in our nation's capital? Alexa Lavoie did a little investigating. You don't want to miss what she has to say. By the way, do you have this crazy idea in your head, folks, that Canadians have the right to peacefully protest? Well, not in the opinion of the mayor of Calgary, of course, and our henchmen who make up the rank and file of the Calgary Police Service. They actually tried to shut down a peaceful protest in Cowtown last Saturday. Sid Fazard has all the shocking details. And finally, letters. We get your letters. We get them every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding our story on a mother and her three-year-old daughter who were kicked out of a North Bay, Ontario cinema and threatened with trespassing charges for incorrectly eating popcorn. <laughs> Holy horror show. Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. So I'm currently the other side of the uh, river. As you can see, it's still locked. We are now two weeks after the convoy have uh, been dismantled. But we talk about the Nazi flag who have been shown on the picture on the other side. And uh, the only way that the picture have possibly been taken is or on this step just right there or on the other step there where the angle is the perfect angle to take the picture there or probably a little bit down there. Um, the only thing is like this place was locked and this door was locked by the police as well. So, oh, someone was allowed to take the picture in this area and down there. It, it was prohibited to enter here. So, my question is, who were there? How they enter here? And for which purpose they were there in the same time that the Nazi flag was showing on the other side? At the perfect moment where nobody else saw the Nazi flag or close to the Parliament Hill and on Whittington Street, only that time, perfect moment, and afterwards, these people have went away and we never saw this flag again. So my question is, who? And the picture I've been taking by one freelancer that I've been shown on the internet is not being taken by him, but he said that he was sending by someone to him during the night. And it was Justin Ling, the one who had published the picture, but it was sent by someone else. So you can see me right now. I'm here where the picture I've been taken, just here and as well here. And you can see that the angle is not working because now Guillaume Roy, my camera person, is on the bridge right now taking me and it's not the same angle. 
So, my question is, if the person wanted to take the picture, it's all down. I will show you the, the, the picture on the screen right now. But it's all down there on the, the street or a little bit up there. But I'm pretty sure that the person was on the street. The stair was closed. The access was closed. And these people was coming from a park where the, another picture had been taken. And afterwards, after walking through the stair, we never saw the flag again. So do they just pass there to show the flag and they came back into the Fairmont Hotel? Who was this person? It was actually some individual, the same one who had been seen on the park and as well here and disappear after with the Nazi flag, but never been shown where the Freedom Convoy was. So I'm standing where the second picture was taken. And as I say, it's the park next to the hotel. You can see the hotel Chateau Laurier just right there at my right. And so the people was walking in this park went towards on the side of Chateau Laurier and the flag disappeared. So is it staged to just put it out, their flag in this park, walking where they know that some people will see them and after that disappear? That is a little bit like um, mysterious. Yes, a mystery indeed. As you just saw from Alexa's investigation, myriad details regarding that infamous Nazi flag that was spotted on the first Saturday of the Freedom Convoy, well, they simply do not add up. So what exactly is going on here? And joining me now to hopefully help unravel this mystery is our super sleuth herself, Alexa Lavoie. Bonjour, Alexa. Bonjour, David. <laughs> Alexa, that was some great investigative journalism, but it was also unnerving because I'm beginning to think more so than ever before that this whole swastika display was a scam. What is your theory as to what really happened that day? Uh, for sure that um, the man with the Confederation flag, the one that had like a really custom made, was uh, a person that was there in purpose to uh, do some perturbation uh, that day because first of all, it was fully masked and uh, we had like sunglasses and he was acting as, uh, I don't know, just disturbing, uh, flying his flag everywhere around everybody and not being part of the protest. I had nobody with him. And uh, as well, uh, photographer, I took a picture of him all at the same place at the same moment. And he's like all photographer related to Justin Trudeau. Uh, that's a little bit, uh, I would say, fishy. Uh, but... For the other Nazi flag, uh, we know that it never reached uh, Parliament Hill. Um, and we know that it was on the side of uh, the Chateau Laurier, uh, where the access on the other side was closed for the people going down to the canal to take a picture. So who took the picture? 
We don't know. I'm still like investigate on it. I think it will have a part two of it. Uh, we'll see because uh, some people are writing to me right now and I have more and more information to bring on this investigation. And, and Alexa, when it comes to that photo, uh, because uh, you and Guillaume went out there, you showed how the angles were uh, just not there to capture that kind of image. Are you suggesting that maybe this was something that could have been photoshopped? I mean, those who are computer savvy, I mean, you can create any kind of image you want with the kind of software that's out there. Is that maybe what's going on here? No, it's not Photoshop. Uh, we know that it's not Photoshop because some people saw the uh, Confederation flag, uh, but it was really well made, uh, really made for this occasion and uh, really good quality as well. So some, somebody uh, did spend a lot of money for this flag. Uh, and for the other Nazi flag, um, I talked with some people who saw it. It was just in front of them. So I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm going to interview this person that uh, saw the Nazi flag, but it was not Photoshop. They were there. Um, some people um, think that, uh, it, it was just for, you know, it was only on the first day. And as we know, the first impression on every kind of uh, protest, it's always the first day, the first couple of hours of the uh, protest for really uh, judge which kind of person was there. So, of course, uh, we saw it on the 29th of uh, uh, February. No, 29th of January. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> and... Uh, Afterwards, for the tree next week, no flag yep. was yep. seen on and, this. And you know what else is interesting, too, Alexa, is our friends over at True North. They've offered, I, I believe it's a $6,500 reward as to the identity of the person that was bearing this flag. Because, wow, I would love to interview that individual. Um, because one of my theories as to why... And we'll never know until we get our, our hands on him. But one of my theories as to why he might have been displaying the swastika, and I think it's a really dumb strategy, was basically, you know, linking the swastika to the Justin Trudeau regime, saying, you know, just like Hitler in 1930s Germany, uh, uh, Justin Trudeau today in Canada is uh, is equivalent to a Nazi, which is outrageous because uh, last I heard, I don't think Justin is uh, on a quest for world war or committing genocide. But I think that might have been what he was trying to say. Uh, otherwise, uh, the on the flip side, maybe this was someone that was simply trying to discredit the freedom movement. It's one or the other. What do you think? I'm getting closer to know like uh, the identity maybe of the person who were carrying the Nazi flag. I don't know yet who is this person, but some people have reached out to me. Um, the thing is, uh, we are a part of the population. Uh, we don't think the same way. We don't figure out the thing on the same way. For some people carrying maybe a Nazi flag for them is to show that we are under a regime as um, during the, um, the regime of Hitler. As we saw during uh, the protests of Ukraine, some people had like uh, 
put leur for saying like Putin is Hitler also, or referencing to uh, the regime during Hitler was there. But for them, no problem. But because it was a freedom convoy, oh my God, that's really a big trouble to show like uh, the same regime that was under Hitler. But for maybe someone that was the appropriate flag and he didn't think about the consequences to fly that kind of flag too, um, I will know more about it uh, in the next few weeks. Well, I can hardly wait for that update, uh, Alexa. I can tell you this. If the agenda was to discredit the Freedom Convoy movement, certainly it was damaging because look how many politicians, look how many members of mainstream media ran with that. The first day of the protest, I was on the road. I was not in Ottawa. I was listening to radio reports of what was going on. And the way it was being reported, Alexa, um, swastikas, plural, you know, it was like, you know, in I, it was radio coverage. So in my mind's eye, I'm going, my God, what's happening there? Nazi flags all over Parliament Hill, uh, the Terry Fox statue desecrated. And I was thinking, oh, my God, uh, this can't be happening. And well, guess what? It wasn't happening. It was some one crank with a swastika. The, the Terry Fox statue had a Canadian flag on it. Um, so I think if we ever get our hands on this person to interview him, uh, I would love to hear what the rationale was. One last question, Alexa. It was kind of odd, don't you think, that one of the first people that got this image was Justin Ling. He's a freelance journalist. When it comes to leftist progressive kooks, he's maybe the kookiest of all in Canada. Um, isn't it interesting that he got the image so quickly? What's your take on that? And especially uh, the... The picture I've been taking on the 29, but he received during the night and he posted during the night saying that he's come from a friend of him that was there taking the, the, the picture and he sent it to him. Why this person who took the picture didn't post it by himself? Why did he did send it to him personally to post it? And it's actually pretty good quality picture, yeah. as we can see. And it was taking down to the canal. And as we know, down to the canal, the only people that probably was allowed to be there is police or maybe citizen who passed really far away because the entrance was blocked. And I have some footage to show that this door was blocked at that time, this, this day. It would be on my next report. But who were there? Who sent the picture to him? And afterwards, when uh, one time he posted, and it was the only one who posted because everybody credited him uh, when they reposted it, uh, it was the uh, dig digital um, producer of Jagmin Singh who took that opportunity to say, oh my God, this movement is... Uh, uh, racist. And as we know, uh, Jagmin Singh, the NPD have taken uh, an accord with the uh, liberals. So now we know that they work together. It's amazing. Like I said earlier, uh, Alexa, so many details about this story just don't add up. But I can tell you one thing, I really smell a rat here. So thank you for continuing to investigate this story. I look forward to your next report, my friend. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> you too. Have a great weekend, Alexa. And that was Alexa Lavoie in Quebec City. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this.
Hey guys, Sydney Fitzgerald with Rebel News here, and you might have seen our coverage last week of the Calgary Rally for Freedom. Uh, now, as you can see, they have changed their location a little bit, and I encourage you to go back to that list video and find out exactly what these guys are protesting. But to sum it up, there are mandates and restrictions that have been lifted, which has drawn the criticism that these guys should no longer be out here protesting. However, if you ask anybody here, there are still plenty of mandates and restrictions that are impeding on their lives on a daily basis. So they must continue to protest to make their voice heard. But what we saw from last weekend is uh, an added enforcement was brought on by Calgary police, where they were using bicycles and there was two groups, a the Freedom Rally group you see behind us and the counter-protest group that we've seen in the streets of the Beltline. That's a certain district of Calgary where the Freedom Rally would normally go through. So the police enforcement was added and the mayor of Calgary actually put out a message against the protesters calling for more enforcement but suggesting that she wasn't able to enforce uh, those tactics herself and that was left up to the police. So what did she do? Well, immediately after that, she or the city of Calgary applied for an injunction and it has been put into action. So there is added concern for these protesters that they might have enforcement come down on them, but they've changed up their tactics from last week. Normally you would see that there's a speaker microphone set up uh, at the park a little further away from where we are right now, uh, but that didn't happen. And these guys, they made a little announcement at that park where they normally gather and they all decided to make their way to City Hall to protest the injunction on top of the mandates and restrictions that we're seeing. So it's a bit of an interesting day. We're still waiting to see what's gonna happen with police enforcement. There has been no sighting of the counter protest as of yet, although it is an, uh, an opposite direction of where these guys have had to go uh, in order to get here at City Hall. So we're gonna stay tuned. We're gonna find out a little bit more from these guys, what they make of the current situation. Again, go back to that last video to find out what they're here protesting. We'll get a little bit of that today and let's just go out and check the scene. We're asking freedom, where are you? Don't turn your back on us now. Many fighting died for you. I pray to God we never lose you. Wow, look at all that violence and vandalism. Look at the carnage. Look at all that hatred on display. Uh, well, no, what you just viewed, of course, was the very definition of a peaceful protest. So why did the mayor of Calgary get an injunction to try and shut it down? Why indeed? And joining me now for more on a protest that the authorities and law enforcement tried to kneecap is Sid Fizard. How you doing there, Sid? Yeah, doing quite all right. How you guys doing? Doing great. Sid, last I checked, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Canadians have the right to peaceful protest. So why is Mayor Wokeness out in Calgary trying to shut down these demonstrations in the first place? Uh, well, it's it's political, and she's following the trend of our other politicians, especially those we saw in Ottawa, cracking down on peaceful protesters who are otherwise trying to advocate for their civil rights. But, of course, as you know, uh, even though Justin Trudeau likes to tout that we live in a democracy, uh, it seems it's a one-way democracy. It's his way or the highway. And that's what we saw in Ottawa, and that's what she's trying to do here in Calgary. And, you know, Sid, what I can't help but notice is the fact that if this was a demonstration in the name of, say, Black Lives Matter, uh, is law enforcement clamping down on that? Or maybe is law enforcement being ordered to take a knee as well for BLM? What I'm getting at is that it doesn't seem to be the protest that's the problem. It's the ideological flavor of the protest that has uh, some people freaking out in that city. No, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we've seen the Black Lives Matter protests and other protests take place in the city and across Canada and around the world. Uh, 
Uh, we've seen those protests. But, uh, and we saw this especially with, well, here in Calgary, where there's the Freedom Rally protesters and there's this counter protest. Uh, and, well, what did the mayor do? Well, as soon as these counter protests arose, uh, these people would otherwise, I, I think it's fair to say, a little bit more hate uh, in their protests, very less so lenient towards conversation and open mindedness. Well, the Calgary mayor supported them uh, without speaking to the Freedom Rally protesters whatsoever and advocating for this uh, very small portion of individuals who are otherwise for advocating against freedoms and against uh, the overstepping of government. You know, that's a good point, Sid. I mean, when you look at the Antifa types, they chant things like, love Trump's hate. But they're all about hate. Um, and even the uh, some elected officials, uh, starting with the prime minister, with the trucker convoy in Ottawa, the demonization, the vilification of people standing up for freedom. I mean, I can't believe we're living in a, a world, Sid, where a anti-freedom movement is the one that gets the good housekeeping seal of approval. Well, and that's the thing is, uh, these counter-protests, they don't want the Freedom Rally protest to occur. But if you ask the people in the Freedom Rally, should the counter-protesters have a right to protest? Well, they say, of course, sure, everybody has the right to protest, especially in a peaceful regard. Uh, however, any protesting that is in any relation to what the government is doing and is in opposition to the government is immediately being squandered. And Sid, in terms of how the police behave themselves in laying down the law, what was your takeaway based on your observations? Well, police, much like any other grouping of, uh, what would you say, enforcement or a grouping of uh, a collective that works under any domain, there are good individuals and there are bad individuals. Um, and we saw that with the protest. There was individuals that were uh, otherwise trying to speak with one cop and then the other cop would come in and grab them. Uh, and I think it's, it's less so a failure of the individual officers as it is the tactics that were being deployed by Calgary Police Services. And we saw this last weekend and we saw it the weekend before, where in attempts to separate the two groups to uh, reduce the amount of uh, frustrations or anything that might come of it, they somehow managed to put both groups together. And especially last weekend, where uh, there was the Freedom Rally protesters and the counter-protesters both at Central Memorial Park, which is parked in downtown Calgary. Uh, instead of drawing a firm line between the two groups, there is an, an incident that occurred. And after that incident, the police formed a sort of bubble and they ballooned their way out of the park. So on the perimeter of the police line was a mixture of protesters and counter-protesters. Uh, and there was no dividing line between them. So it in many ways, the Calgary police forces were pushing these two groups together. What a ridiculous strategy. I mean, I don't know anything about law enforcement or kettling and containing uh, malcontents, but the idea that you are pushing two groups that are kind of like the cobras and the mongies, you know, uh, into a confined area. Sid, what were they thinking? I... I don't think they were thinking, and I think that's the problem. Um, now, hopefully, they'll see from the last few weekends how their tactics have been deployed and uh, how they can better adjust those for the future. That way, both protests can peacefully do their thing. However, it doesn't seem like that's the mode of operation that they've been keen on so far. And it's probably uh, in favor of the mayor, them doing these sort of tactics. That way, there is the publicity of, oh, there's the violence, there's this, there's the arrest. But realistically, these arrests and 
uh, anything that came of the last few weekends could have been avoided entirely. Oh, I totally agree. And we see it here in Toronto as well as other Canadian cities. I, I mean, it is the very definition of a peaceful protest. There's nobody creating any kind of violence and vandalism, despite what the, the media longs for. Looking ahead, Sid, to this Saturday coming up, uh, is there any demonstration planned? And if so, what do you think is going to go down? Oh, there's certainly a demonstration planned. I haven't seen the counter-protest uh, posters or their uh, promotion of their event just yet. Uh, but in terms of the Freedom Rally, they are set to protest again. And uh, like last weekend, where they moved to City Hall, they may be at City Hall again, uh, not only to protest to get their freedoms back that have been uh, affected by vaccine mandates and other restrictions government has been imposing, uh, but as well this new injunction they're going to be protesting, which is why they've made this move to City Hall. And one last question, Sid, uh, before you leave. I think that whoever gets arrested, whoever gets ticketed, I think they have a hell of a solid legal case in terms of their rights being unjustifiably affected in terms of the right to protest, uh, especially if you're just peacefully standing there chanting, holding a sign, you name it. What are your thoughts? No, I think you're absolutely right. Although one interesting thing is that the Freedom Rally protesters, uh, many might think that they're trying to rebel against the counter-protest, rebel against the mayor. They are protesting the mayor, but they're also doing it within the, the legal lines that have been drawn. Um, so even though this injunction is impeding on their right to protest, they're still finding ways of protesting within the rules while still arguing against the rules that are being put forward. So they're by no means trying to be... Uh, 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 vitriolic, I guess you could say, or rebellious in nature to that extent, uh, but they are certainly standing strong to make their voices heard. Yeah, and I would say it's a moot point uh, in that regard, uh, Sid, uh, regardless of the protest. I mean, heck, you could protest your uh, disdain for Brussels sprouts, for goodness sakes, and if that uh, offends the farmers of Brussels sprouts too bad, you have every legal and democratic right in which to do so. I think it's a disgrace what's happening in Calgary, of all, police, uh, of all places, and let's hope uh, tomorrow the uh, Calgary police behave themselves uh, and there's no... Um, you know, there's no, uh, you know, cops out there that are hot to trot in terms of violently putting down somebody just expressing a, a democratic right. Sid, thank you so much. Great coverage as always, my friend. Absolutely. And likewise. Thank you. And folks, that was Sid Fizard out in Calgary. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Recently, Melissa Robinson took her three-year-old daughter to the Galaxy Cinema in North Bay, Ontario, where she purchased tickets for Sing 2. As well, she bought some popcorn and pops. But a not-so-funny thing happened to Melissa and daughter as they took their seats in the completely empty theater before the movie even started. Staffers told them that they would have to leave or the police would be called, and they might be charged with trespassing. Indeed, while the 
intention was to watch a family-friendly musical. Suddenly, what occurred was that mother and daughter were experiencing a real-life episode of Monster Chiller Horror Theater. Folks, just wait till you hear Melissa's unbelievable story. And indeed, joining me now from about 45 minutes outside of North Bay is Melissa Robinson herself. How are you doing there, Melissa? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, Melissa, as I said in the preamble, you took your daughter to see Sing 2, but you were soon given the bum's rush out the cinema under penalty of law. What exactly happened? Um, well, it was supposed to be this really nice mommy-daughter day, um, and uh, we went and got groceries, and then we were going to go and uh, catch the movie uh, Sing 2 at the Galaxy Cinema in North Bay. And um, I go up to the uh, counter, and I buy my tickets, and I buy my pop and my, and my popcorn, and my mask is slightly below my nose, about here, but it's still on my nose. And uh, they tell me that oh, you have to have your mask up your, on, on to, over your, or covering your nose. And um, so I pull up my mask and I say, oh, that's, isn't it going to be nice that in two weeks this whole mask mandate is over? <laughs> and yeah, usually when I tell everybody this, they're so excited, but this person was not excited at all. Um, so I, that really should have been my first warning, but I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be so much fun. We're going to see a movie. So we hop along. Uh, my daughter is literally hopping. And so then we hand our tickets um, to the woman who is like collecting the tickets at the counter or not, not the counter, but like the um, podium thing. And um, I hand her the tickets, but they're kind of like underneath my popcorn because I'm holding popcorn and I have pop in the other hand and my daughter is somewhere hopping over in this direction. Um, so uh, she tells me again, oh, you have to have your mask over your nose. And I did not even realize that it wasn't covering my nose. I'm pretty sure it's on my nose about here. Um, and so I can't really pull it up because I have popcorn in this hand, pop, and then my daughter is over there. And I'm not even really paying attention to her because I'm more focused on what my daughter is doing. So um, she rips my tickets and she tells me that I'm in room three. So that's pretty much all I'm like registering at this point is just go to room three. And then so like I'm like uh, herding my daughter towards that direction. Um, so we get to the movie theater and we sit down. And I think, okay, great, everything's going to be fine because we're in the theater, there's nobody here, and um, I can t I have food, so I can take my mask off and we can start eating. Um, so we sit down, and we're and I chose the seats at the very back of the theater, um, kind of where the uh, well, where the balcony would be, like where the stairs are. On top of the stairs, there's a balcony. Okay. Because I wanted to be away from other people because of how my daughter is only three and she sometimes can do things. Um, and I didn't want to disturb anyone. So we're like really literally at the back of the theater and we're sitting there waiting for the movie to start. The, 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 the credits haven't started yet. And like, not even like a minute or two later, uh, two women come into the theater and they tell me, oh, you have to have your mask on. And um, I'm eating popcorn. So I say, I'm eating popcorn. And she says, oh, it doesn't matter. You have to have your mask on. Well, um, so Melissa, I put my mask if on. I can just interject, yeah. um, how could they possibly say it doesn't matter? Uh, if you're eating and drinking, 
you cannot do that with a mask on, or is there some kind of etiquette at that Galaxy Cinema, you know, much like uh, Governor Newsom in California or Mayor Tory in Toronto, who advise people to wear the mask, pull it down, insert food, pull the mask up, chew, rinse and repeat. Was that what they were getting at, that you were breaking popcorn eating etiquette at the cinema? Yes, and it's interesting that you bring that up because you are the one that really flagged that for me because before I wouldn't have even thought of that because they did say the term active eating. Um, so I don't even know what that is because I don't even go out. Um, so what I was, so I kind of discovered this while I was kind of inventing it because I was in the theater with my mask on, but like sneaking popcorn, but having my mask on in case they came back because I was also keeping a lookout just in case they did come back because. I literally didn't even know what they even wanted. Um, yeah, so anyways. And, and, um, Melissa, I, I asked, and Melissa, if I can just interject again, a very, very important yeah. part of this story, I feel, is the fact that this cinema, except for you and your daughter, was absolutely, completely empty. So even if you were unmasked, um, what harm was there? There was no one to um, presumably infect. In fact, if you want to talk about uh, any kind of uh, potential danger, so to speak, I put that in air quotes, it's when the manager and the other staffer come and suddenly they're in your grill uh, reading you the riot act. And before we get to your response on that, you were savvy enough to take out your cell phone and record some of the interaction. Folks, just check this out. You can either leave right no now in the or I can come back with the police. You call the police. This is ridiculous. There is no one in the theater. Why are you harassing me? What's we are name? asking you to follow our policy. There's and I no do one. not give I you, am following I your policy. Give you permission. My mask is on. Yes, I can film it. No, you cannot. Because yes, I'm not giving you my permission. Yes, doesn't matter. I'm putting it on YouTube. It's, it's live streaming. Consent. We are live streaming a, right now. It is not a single doesn't consent matter. promise. I'm asking you to leave now. You already did. And now I'm coming to the possession of the I paid for this movie. My daughter wants to see it. I have my mask on. Incredible. Remember when going to a movie was all about having a fun night out? Well, that was before COVID, of course, and before an army of Karens decided they would be policing the behavior of the entire populace. And to add insult to injury, the last time I spoke with Melissa Robinson, she was still waiting to get a refund for the money she spent on tickets. Holy horror movie. In any event, you had plenty to say about the egregious treatment Melissa and her daughter received at that North Bay cinema. Fred Penner writes, so let me get this straight. You will sell her the popcorn, but won't let her take the mask off to eat it? Not to touch on the fact the theater was empty. We are living in an upside-down world. Yeah, and get this, Fred. Despite multiple attempts to contact Cineplex Corporate, nobody there has the decency to explain their popcorn-eating etiquette protocols. What cowards. <clears throat> Mark Newen writes, I tried to take our family to the movies a few weeks ago. We are all double vaccinated and have our certification from the government. Cineplex would not let us into the theater. They demanded that we register for the government app and the QRC code and show that to them instead of our government issued paperwork.
They even had a computer there to do the deed. There was no way I was going to do anything that would give the government more information about myself and my family. So we left, went home, and downloaded the movies from Prime for $16.99. I saved about $150, and I will never go to the theater again. Great business practice. Well, indeed, coming soon to a theater near you, folks. Cineplex files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection and talk about a self-inflicted wound. Fook YouTube writes, It's absolutely disgraceful to traumatize a three-year-old child over nothing. The theater worker should be fired ASAP. Only in Trudeau's Canada would this happen. SMH. Well, indeed, the filmmakers behind the Jackass Forever franchise have nothing on the real-life donkeys, doofuses, and assorted other jabronis working at Cineplex these days. Richard Marr writes, Melissa, I'm proud of you for calmly standing your ground in front of your daughter while you are being harassed by those two people. You're an awesome mom and an awesome role model for your daughter. There's hope for our country with people like you in it. And I second that opinion. Richard Charwest writes, I've looked up Cineplex rules and it clearly states that masks must be worn unless eating or drinking. Since she bought popcorn and pops, they were clearly eating and drinking. Well, right you are, my friend. Besides, how can anyone eat or drink with a bloody face diaper on in the first place? And Adam Park writes, it's bad enough the seats are getting smaller, the ads are getting longer, and for non-movie-related content, there is no one policing cell phone lights flashing in your eyes. But now you can't even eat their overpriced popcorn? Can you say non-sustainable business model? Indeed, you'd think after two years of lockdown misery, the movie theaters would be welcoming as many people as possible back. Instead, Cineplex is giving people yet another reason to invest in home theater. Who needs to get into arguments with wild Karens when all you want to do is watch a bloody movie? Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night. Good night.